welcome to the Give and Gifts podcast, a podcast with real people sharing real stories, navigating how to use their gifts in this world. This is episode five and our first episode with two guests, and they are seriously so special. I met Regina and Nasha in Zimbabwe, where they live and where they raise their two beautiful daughters. The first time I met Regina, I had this, yep, that's who I want to be when I grow up moment. Regina is a social worker, a frontline defender of people and children, and a voice for so many. And Nasha is truly her right hand, her support. And their relationship is one of the best examples of what it looks like to make the other better. Both Regina and Nasha have so much wisdom, and not just the wisdom gained from a book or YouTube, but the wisdom gained from life lived and deep understanding and curiosity. I'm not going to promise that this episode will be under 30 minutes, but I will promise that this episode is going to be worth listening to every single minute. Three words that I would use to describe Nasha. Patient is always number one. He is patient. He is generous. And he is strong. You are. You are patient. You are generous. You are strong. And then what gives you life? Solitude. Peace. (laughs) quiet. What drains you? Um, Conflict. Too many people for too long of a time. And if I could have the world know one thing about Nyasha, it would be that I... I am fully who I am because of how he is with me. Like you often play like a black, a background role in all of the awesome work that I do here. And a lot of people don't know that, that like my work has come to this fullness because of what you do when people aren't looking. That's what I would have people know. <clears throat> okay. So three words for Regina, I think I'll go with um, passionate, <laughs> um, loving, and fearless. Um, and what gives you life is whew, people. <laughs> uh, I was about to say conflict. I was like, oh, that doesn't sound good. But it's exactly uh, right. But, but it is, it is very right. Um, and what drains you is um, people that are not real, mm-hmm. um, people that are not honest. Um, then if I could, t- uh, I could have the world know one thing about you would be, um, yeah, there's no, there's no limitations. Like you're you're like a barrier breaker. Like you just keep going. Uh, And I think sometimes I have to say, hey, there's a wall right there. Um, 
but you just you just keep going especially when you're passionate about something you just you break everything in the path to get it done i love that your what what gives you life regina is what drains you like that for sure that's hilarious i I, almost every single day i will say we are opposite in every way I think there's probably two things we have in common. And I also think every single day that if I were doing our premarital counseling, I would say, wow, this is going to be harder than it needs to be. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Which makes sense why you really like it because there's the conflict for you. (laughs) For sure. (laughs) Um, As you, as you guys know, the Giving Gifts has this value of diversity. So we have defined diversity as that all people must feel free to share their thoughts and ideas. Mm -hmm. And as a global organization, it's important that we have, that we're constantly seeking out people to provide different perspective and contribution. So for both of you, your whole relationship really has been built around this value I mean, two people with totally different senses of what gives you life, what drains you, Um, two people with totally different backgrounds, Mm -hmm. culturally, different perspectives, different gifts. Mm -hmm. Uh, Can you just share a bit about how you met, how you found yourself in a relationship and what role diversity plays in your own life and in in the way you're raising your family? So we met at a barbecue, a bride. And We were both there to meet someone else. You were being invited there to meet a different woman. And I was being invited to meet a different man. And we met and talked the whole night. And it was just so nice. And then he did not ask for my phone number. We sat and talked for like many, many, many hours. And he did not ask for my phone number. Um, But we had made a plan to meet up like a week later on Sunday at church. So the bride was on Monday and we were going to meet at church on Sunday, his church. And I was like, I called my friend Walter who introduced us. And I said, how is Nasha going to be able to find me? And Walter started laughing. And I walked in with a couple of my friends because I did not have the courage to go by myself because I was certain that I would not be able to find you. And um, I was one of two white people in the entire building. So clearly it was very easy for you to find me. And we had lunch together with all of our mutual friends. And that was really nice. And then we, we became friends for a long time before we started dating. So, well, it felt long because we were old, Um, but for several months, but on our very first coffee date as friends, like to get to know one another, I basically like told you my entire life story, all the sorted details. And I also said, by the way, There's this beautiful little girl that I want to adopt here. So we're kind of a package deal and I'm not going to date somebody that I wouldn't marry. And I wouldn't marry someone that doesn't want to adopt Ruth. So you kind of have to know that before you take me out on like a real date. And that was how our relationship started. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I think, I think it's, and I think when it comes to diversity, the story of come walking into a church and and being able to to see you um <laughs> you know there's diversity right there um <laughs> and i think 
I think one of the things that stood out was the conversation that we had when mm. we met. Um, I had met a lot of people before that um, and the conversations never really took that spin where you end up talking about what's important to you mm. the first time you meet somebody, the values and how much you pursue God and, and what you want to see your life become. And it just made sense that we would connect after that. Um, and that's, I guess that's what, that's how it happened. Yeah, yeah, that is. And I think you're right. I think diversity has been like a founding pillar of our relationship from the very beginning. I don't know how it could not be. Because yeah. I don't think that we could have had a loving, mutual, respectful relationship if we didn't recognize each other's differences and honor them. Mm. And I think for me, that's what diversity is, is recognizing that we're different. Um, you know, not ignoring it or trying to pretend that we're all the same, regardless of our circumstances and our experiences, but then going past just recognizing our differences and then honoring and valuing those. And so I don't know that we would have ever moved out of like acquaintances to friends, to romantic partners, if that didn't exist. Yeah. 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 I think that, that, yeah, the respect and the love and, and being aware mm-hmm. uh, and being present and I think a lot of the times I catch myself reminding myself, oh, she's doing that because she's a woman, not because she's white. Um, and, and I've seen that a lot. Uh, mm-hmm. where you, when you start breaking it down, you're like, oh, they're all the same. It doesn't matter what race they're from. <laughs> it's, it's exactly the same. So I think it's a lot of work for me every day to kind of remind myself it's, it's, not, it's not because of who she is. It's... it's it's just how she was designed. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And these last two years in particular have been a bit crazy all over our world, um, but especially yeah. for you two and for your family. So at the beginning of COVID, you actually left Zimbabwe and you spent some time stateside for the first time ever, right? As a whole family. Mm-hmm. Um, how was that experience for you? And I think in a time where our world seemed to be totally shook and then surfaced this topic of racial injustice, especially um, in the States, I would just love to hear your experience. Um, I think it was, it was very, it was an interesting time for me to be in the States uh, during that whole racial injustice sort of period. Uh, and seeing the two different conversations happening mm-hmm. um, on two different ends. Uh, because, you know, when I'm in the States, I'm exposed to sort of the white community. And then I'm, I also understand the, the black community. Um, and just seeing the differences and seeing people struggle with the conversation yeah. was also quite kind of encouraging at the same time as disappointing because you'd hear two different things at the same time. Um, and I think it, it just made it clear for me that there's certain things that we're probably not going to fully heal from, but I think we can heal them in our own sort of spheres and, and places of influence. Like wherever you are, you do as much as you can because on a national level or an international level, it's probably never gonna fully happen because there's always gonna be people that feel very different. Um, there's almost like a stampede to shut each other up because what I'm saying is more valuable than what you're saying 
or my voice is better than your voice. And so once we start squashing each other, um, it becomes it becomes um, it becomes complicated. And I think mm. we we stop listening to each other. Um, and I see it in myself. I mean, I could be having an argument with Regina, and and I think I have a better point, and I want her to hear it clearly. I'm never gonna I'm never gonna hear what she's saying. And so imagine on on that sort of a larger scale where there's wounds and people that are hurting and that are trying to have a voice. And one is like, well, come on, it's been such a long time. Why are you still bringing this up? And it's like, well, I'm wounded and this is the story. So I think it was, it was a bigger sign or a bigger picture for me to say the world is broken. And there's so, sort of like underground conversations in the US that kind of just are hiding. And this was one of them that popped up but you can see as soon as it popped up, there was such a stampede to shut it down um, because it makes people uncomfortable. And some people don't wanna deal with it because they honestly probably don't know how to deal with it. So they would just rather not have the conversation. So it was a very interesting time. I mean, I'll, I'll think of an example when, cause we did a small road trip and we were in Montana uh, with one of our friends, uh, which is a very interesting place, <laughs> the big blue sky. Um, and we stopped at a gas station and I went out with Deborah, who was a friend and walked into a gas station and you could see the eyes, obviously, like what's going on here. And then Regina walked in and then they lost their mind. They just thought, okay, so this guy has, you know, two white women <laughs> and four or five different kids all driving around. And you can just see the conversations that people are having their own heads. <laughs> Uh, without actually knowing who I was or who I am. And I think that's where I, I, I find this, or rather where I struggle, where people will just judge you at face value. They don't know your story. They don't know who you are. They don't know what you're about. And I just wish everybody would give each other a chance. Wherever you meet, wherever you are, just give them a chance. You'll be, you'll be surprised. Yeah. yeah. Oh, that day in Montana, that was hilarious. Um, I think that stories like that, there were moments where we could just laugh and giggle about the hardness of it all. Um, but our family traveled back to the States. We were on an evacuation flight with most of the American embassy staff. And um, we traveled back in the height of the beginning of the pandemic. So it was the end of March of 2020 um, when no one really understood what was happening with COVID, but the world was shutting down. And we arrived in Washington, D.C., and we, we had a 10-hour layover for a flight to, to LAX. It was the only flight to California from Dulles that entire day. Um, and so we had to wait at the airport for 10 hours after clearing customs, which is so unusual because normally there would be a flight every 10 minutes. And we saw maybe eight to 10 people in the airport that entire time. It was a ghost town. It was so weird. So the moment we stepped off the plane, well, the moment we got on the plane, it was weird because some people were in hazmat suits. Everyone had a mask on and that was brand new. Um, then we got off the plane in Washington, DC. It was Ruth's first time in America. It was our first time traveling as a family. And even like the security personnel were kind of like, looking at us like we were crazy to be there. And they just kept saying, get those babies home. Why are you traveling? Like even questioning us, like what we were doing. We're like, sorry, it's, this isn't a vacation. You know, we're really shell-shocked here. 
And we went straight from the airport into quarantine for two weeks and we came out of quarantine at Easter. And it was my African family's first time all together in the States. We were in Southern California in Orange County. And um, we came out of quarantine at Easter on, on Easter Sunday. And, um, and then very soon after that was the George Floyd murder. And that was the only, like, that was the only conversation. It was COVID and it was George Floyd. And it was take a side on both of these things. Take a side on COVID. Are you going to wear a mask? Are you going to socially distance? And take a side about George Floyd. Was he murdered or was this, you know, police using necessary force? And it was just a really hard time, I think, to be in conversation with people in America because for my family, our perspective was automatically different because we spend the majority of our time in Zimbabwe. I think the thing that was so triggering for me about the racial injustice that rose up and like the breaking that started happening, the necessary breaking that started happening in 2020 about the racial injustice was that I am a white mom oh, and I grew up in America with a lot of privilege and I raised two daughters, one black and one brown in Southern Africa. And the country that we live in is 99% black, less than 1% white. And so my black and brown daughters grow up surrounded by strong, loving, brilliant black men and women. And all of a sudden they were surrounded by my white family and by my white friends having a conversation about racial injustice at, at every turn. And, um, and I didn't know how to be a white mom in that circumstance because I'm a white mom in a different circumstance most of the time. So for me, I think it was really triggering and I think it was um, very hard for me to find my voice in that moment. Yeah, and I think you guys bring in such an interesting perspective because for for a lot of people, that was the one of the first conversations really around racial injustice. Where for you two, that's a conversation that's not necessarily new. And for sure, um, I think anyone who has more of a global perspective also has a bit of a different perspective on seeing racial injustice play out because sure. the states are really only a minimal perspective to the whole world, right? Yes. And so in what ways have you seen our world become more diverse and inclusive? Because there are some, I think. And in what ways have you experienced a lack or just see a greater need for diversity? And why do you think, because you hit on this, both of you did in a different way, but why do you think diversity is such a challenge? Um, I think it's it's a challenge because life is a challenge. Um, and, you know, I'm walking my own path and anything else that's slightly outside of that path is is a difficult thing for me to, to deal with. So now you bring in all these other things and all these conversations that I don't really want to deal with. <laughs> I'm happy being in my space. I'm happy being 
with my people. I'm happy doing things the way we do them. Um, <laughs> and, and, and asking me to then involve other people that are different to me, that I'm probably gonna have to either teach how to do things the way we're doing them or who are gonna try and teach us how to do it better uh, <laughs> is, is a complicated space. Uh, nice. to put it in a, in a very simple way. So a lot of people are just happy to be where they are. They don't want the challenges of the world because life is challenging as it is. Um, and I think for me, that's where I found where people are just happy to be in their own circles. Why do I have to mix with people I don't want to mix with? For what reason? For what purpose? And to achieve what? So all these questions that may not be asked, people ask them in their heads like, what is this going to benefit me? Am I really going to make a world a better place by doing that? I don't have the time. I'm, I'm, you know, I'm anxious about my own life. I'm busy with my own life. I'm trying to figure out my own life, you know. So I think all of those things play a role in in this being a challenge. And then I think second part is is whether we like it or not, we are different as people. We are very different. And when we mix together and it's done with intent, you know, beautiful things are created. But when it's done with resentment, yeah, <laughs> it, it can go terribly wrong. Um, and, and I think that's, that's another thing. So people would rather just not get into it. Uh, but the spaces that you find that have sort of accepted it and have lived it, it's a beautiful thing. Yeah. where you start learning each other's cultures, why people do what they do and you find the beauty in what they do and they find the beauty in what you, know, what you do. And, and I think for me, that, that's, that's sort of the result or the goal that, that God was looking for to say you're all different, but when you're able to come together and be people who, who live differently, but find yourselves in that, you can make a world a, a different and a better place. I think that's um, true. But, and, but I think because that's the key to, to that existence, it's such a challenge to come together because there are forces that the world, you know, that don't want the world to come together. Yeah. I think, um, you know, this question is so interesting because there's so many different parts to it. I think one of the things that I would acknowledge in response to this question is that for the most part, we're really lazy about our social life you know, as human beings, we tend to socialize with the people that are easiest, that are closest, that we are in proximity to. So we want to socialize with people who are at our school or our workplace or our neighborhoods or, you know, that go to the same gym as us. Like our, our social circles are generally based upon proximity. And so if you're neighborhoods and the places that you're living and entering into aren't very diverse, you're probably not going to feel the need to intentionally seek out people that are different than you, because we tend to just default to hanging out with people who are easy and there. And to have diverse relationships, it does take intentionality because it's harder. And so you have to make a commitment to say, okay, I'm going to be intentional about diversifying my social circles, knowing that it's going to be a give and take that you will have to give a lot more energy to that kind of social life 
than you would to one that's a little bit more homogeneous um, or similar, but that what you get out of those relationships is also exponentially larger. And for me, I mean, once I moved to Zimbabwe that like <laughs> diversity was off the table, I was either gonna be socializing by myself or I was going to be intentional about diverse social circles. Um, so that's my big thing is that I think for the most part as human beings, we're pretty lazy. I would say that the world is becoming more aware of the beauty in our differences, I think, and that our the the time that and space that we are living in right now is probably more diverse in our social circles and more integrated than it's ever been. I think that technology allows for that. I mean, you can have friends online that you've never met in person. You know, you could be, you could feel a deep connection to someone on another continent. You can travel easily all over the place and discover cultures and food and art and language in all of these different places in a way that's more affordable and faster than ever before. You know, you can translate people in real time, your conversations with people. I mean, we are living in a time where it has never been easier to have diverse friendships. I also think that we have to acknowledge that in most spaces, if you look at America, if you look at Zimbabwe and then look at the rest of the world, that is a new thing, right? Like we're talking one or two generations from segregation, depending on what country you're talking about. You know, like my dad was alive when Martin Luther King Jr. did his march on, um, on, on Washington, right? Like my dad was alive during Jim Crow. My dad was alive during segregation. So of course, we're gonna look backwards and say, oh, you know, like almost cheer ourselves on for the diversity that we have in our friendships. But I would say that we just have to be super intentional that you look back 50 years and there was an intentionality about ending segregation in America. And we have to look at our social circles. We have to look at our schools, our neighborhoods, our churches and ask if we're being equally as intentional because what we are reaping the benefits of people's really hard work 50 years ago. And are our children and grandchildren going to be thrust into even deeper diverse situations or are they gonna be moving backwards into a little bit less diverse circumstances because of how we're intentionally living our life? So I think mm -hmm. we just have to call ourselves to the hard work of it. Yeah, and that it's ongoing, right? I think that's part yeah. of it. I think, you know, the conversation around diversity often to me feels like outcome oriented. Like we just want to see this mm. one thing happen and then we've arrived when in actuality, like diversity is an ongoing every moment choice and it's hard. It's hard to be it intentional is. all the time. And I think, you know, well, for, for people like Regina and I being challenged is life-giving, whereas for yeah. a lot of other people, right? Like that experience is, is hard. And um, I think it's important to acknowledge that, which I think you, you both have really said during this conversation of 
Let's acknowledge that there's differences. Let's acknowledge that this is hard and let's keep doing something about it. Um, So one aspect of this podcast that I think is so important is the possibility to encourage other people to continue to have these conversations at home. Um, Mm. So I want to give you both the, the option to just give a piece of advice or encouragement or to ask your own question um, to the people who are listening to just consider when it comes to diversity. And this could even be with like conversations you have with your kids or friends or things that you see. Hmm. So I think my encouragement would be to remain curious, um, about the people who are living in the same time and the same spaces as you be curious, ask questions, right? Rather than make an assumption about why someone does the things that they do or why they do it the way that they do it, or in the time that they're doing it, ask questions, you know, remain curious and, and pay attention to who is doing life around you and, and ways that you might be able to invite them in. I think if I were to pose a question, it would be, are you seeing people in your inner circle that look different than you, that think differently than you do, um, that perceive the world differently, that have had different experiences? Because, and if not, why? I would say, ask yourself the question, why am I not sitting around the dinner table with people who look and think and believe differently than me on a regular basis? Mm. Because my life is deeply richer because of the conversations I have around my dinner table every single night with all the people who look different than I do. Yeah, I think for me, if, let me put it this way, if, to anyone who's listening, if everyone was exactly like you in your world, would that be exciting or boring? Like, just think of your 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 parents, your your lineage, your people that you you call your people. If they were the only people in the world, <laughs> would that be an, a fun world or would that be a boring world? Without the influence of Mexican food, Indian food. African food, uh, I mean, anything that, that is outside of your culture that you enjoy today, would your world be better? So there's a reason that we are all different. It's like this image that I feel like if all just comes together and just mixes up and becomes this one big meal, the world is a beautiful place. So. And, and just like with anything in our lives that we've done, that we've achieved, the goals that you've set for yourself, was any of that right simple or easy at any given point? Anyone will tell you, oh, gosh, I had to really work hard to achieve what I've achieved. So anything that is good for us as human beings, we have to strive for, we have to push, we have to work for. And at the end of the day, when we sit and we arrive at this place, we're like, oh, if I had stopped halfway, I wouldn't be experiencing what I'm experiencing now. I wouldn't have achieved all these goals. So I feel like with this conversation, it's exactly the same. The fact that it's it's about other people, the world is about people. So what more is, what more, what else is better than that? Like yeah. 
we should place more value on human beings, on, on other people. So if we worked hard in achieving that diversity, that connection, that and enjoying every culture, imagine how beautiful it would be. Mm. That's I think that's what I would yeah. I would say. Like, you know, anything that you've worked hard in your life that you've achieved that is amazing, you've put effort, you there was intentionality, there was planning, there was focus, similar to this conversation. And mm. and we should we should really think about it. Mm. I love that. Mm. Oh, I could I could just sit here and listen to both of you talk. I think forever, <laughs> for actually forever. Well, um, I'm sure all your listeners could not. So hopefully you edit out some of our wordiness. <laughs> no, we're not going to, but um, that's okay. One of the commitments on this podcast is to give and to receive. So um, the way we do that is by really wrapping up in this sense of being able to point out a gift we see in one another. Um, So this is going to be fun because there's three of us. So (laughs) I've kind of already thought about how we can do this. And what we're going to do is we're going to start with Regina and then you and I both get to share a gift that we see in her. And then we'll go to you, Nasha, and then we'll end out. We'll end with me. Um, So uh, yeah, so we're going to start, we're going to start with Regina. Do you want to go first? I mean, you're leading the conversation. You might as well go first. (laughs) Okay. That's easy for me because I am constantly amazed by Regina. I'm just by you, by your gift to acknowledge the people around you, to acknowledge the things people care about and to wrap wrap your gifts around the things that matter. So the way that you really seek out how to use your gifts to create impact, the way that you ask questions and the way that you are moved by the things that matter to people. I mean, if people could look at what fills your schedule, there isn't anything on there that isn't so intentionally placed because you're one of the most intentional human beings I've ever experienced, I've ever seen. And the way that you will plan out your days, the way you give your time and your energy and your attention is so, it's so intentional to really wrap yourself around the things that matter in this world. And I'm just always floored, always impressed, always curious on how (laughs) you continue to find space and time because everything you do, you do a hundred percent. Well, this was really good for me today. (laughs) (laughs) Um, (laughs) Yeah, I think. Thank you, Cass. Yeah. First, I'm I'm in agreement with you that everything that she does is, is a hundred percent. Um. And I think for me, the gift that, that really stands out is that of not quitting. Um, you know, there's a lot of people that love in the world, but very few people fight. And, and she loves and she fights for what she loves um, fiercely. And, <laughs> and, you know, she'll move anything out of the way uh, for that. And that's truly a gift because I tend to like love and be like, oh, it's okay, you know, I'll let you fly. Or you'll come back to me someday. <laughs> Uh, um, but I tend to love and just hold back 
because just I think it's just my personality and out of that there's a lot of sometimes even resentment towards myself to say oh you know I could have fought a little bit long you know a little bit more and I didn't and that's just something I admire about her that she if she's sold on something she's gonna go all the way um and in moments where even I'm embarrassed I'm like oh goodness are we talking about this again or uh, you know we're not gonna do that um so that's something that I really admire about her because I think if I just had a piece of that I would accomplish so much more than I than I do today mm. Mm. thanks Nash. Yeah. okay Nasha I think I already know mine and I've and I was thinking about it this the the first sentence you said on this podcast immediately I already knew well you were introducing Regina I was like oh my gosh you have this gift to support people to support the people around you. And I think this gift is one of the most underrated, undervalued gifts I've ever experienced because the way that you support people allows them and gives them the freedom to challenge what they're even capable of. So as much as you're saying like, oh, if I had this, well, you do, you do have that. You hold a space for people you create this, this support system that allows people to make mistakes and allows people to succeed and allows people to challenge things and allows people to learn. And that is such a needed gift in this world. Oh, this makes me want to cry. Um, yeah, you see him, Cassidy, you do. And I, I think you're right. I think it is the most undervalued gift. If everyone had Anyasha in their life, the world would be incredible. Um, so Nyasha, I think that you have a million gifts and our family benefits from every single one of them every day. But the gift that I think is most magnificent that our family has benefited from the most is your gift of how gracious you are. For those of you who are listening who don't speak Shona or are not Zimbabwean, you might not know that Nash's name means grace. And wow, did his parents name him appropriately. Um, Nasha, the way that you, from the first day that I met you, have looked at me with eyes that see the best in me is an incredible gift. And you have been teaching me for however many years now, how long have we been together? 12 years, 12 years, maybe you have been teaching me to see people not only as they are, but as God has created them to be. And that is not my general point of reference reference like my default position <laughs> is to see people's weaknesses and to challenge them on them um, but you you see the world differently you are the most gracious person I've ever met the way that you engage with our kids in their hardest moments the way that you engage with me in our most difficult moments and the way that you have shown up wholeheartedly to walk me through my life as an outsider in Zimbabwe and to challenge me graciously um, 
to do things different and better um, has altered my the entire trajectory of my life. So that is my gift that I see in you is your graciousness. Okay. Mm -hmm. So I this I come back to this. I really truly think this is my favorite part of the whole podcast is to just watch people best. receive because it's hard. It right? is hard. <laughs> it's hard. And now but you it's get also to receive. like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Do you want to go first or do you want to go first? All right, Cassidy. Man, do you have so many gifts? I think that the gift that I want to acknowledge in you today is your encouragement. I think I tell you this every single time that we are messaging back and forth, that you are the biggest bucket filler I have ever met in my entire life. I can be having a great day or I could be having a terrible day and I get a voice note from you and you just intentionally see but you also speak what you see in a way that encourages people to receive love and then to be able to give and pour that love out. I can so vividly remember the first day that I met you and I can remember thinking how did this girl end up here? And trying to figure out the details of how you made it to Zimbabwe, because I always love those stories and yours was a good one. And almost instantly we connected. And I remember thinking, this girl has been brought here. This young woman has been brought here simply to encourage those of us who are going to engage with her. And you did that. Zimbabwe is constantly going through struggles and, and difficult times. And people are often, especially people who are serving in ministry or serving in marginalized communities, so often feel weary and tired and heavy laden and full of burden. And you came in and you saw that and you just went to work encouraging every single person that crossed your path. And people here still remember you because of your just sunshine and your light and your ability to see people and to speak truth about who they are in any given moment. You are such an encourager. Thank you. Yeah, I think for me, because we haven't had a lot of interactions, um, it was it was brief, but I think the thing at that the cricket. at the cricket is. Uh, the thing that I picked up was just, and, and it's a gift, and, and I think a lot of the times we forget that it is, that the, the effort or the, the ability to be genuine, um, and a lot of people struggle to be genuine, <laughs> you know what I mean? And, and you have that, you carry this authenticity, this genuineness of actually wanting to, to be better um, and the work you put into yourself to be genuine and, and transparent and forthcoming and all the qualities that, I mean, God wants for all of us <laughs> um, is, is a gift. Um, and that, that ability to be self-aware, to say, okay, now I'm derailing the way I'm thinking. I need to cut back into my path is, is a gift. So I think for me, that's, that's one thing that has stood out that, that, and that I really admire about you that, you know, to be 
authentic and and genuine mm -hmm. and just to be a genuine human being who only just doesn't think things but actually thinks of ways of how to make things better yeah um it's it's not just a thought process you actually try and come up with action uh, you For know sure. actions to follow up that that thought to make a world a better place i've been trying to think of a joke but sometimes i don't know what will even make you there was a guy who had he liked he was dating a girl called clearly and then he made another one called lorraine um but he didn't know how to be with clearly but then one day he's walking with her and then she's about to cross the river and she's like taken by the river so he starts running next to her saying i can see clearly now lorraine is gone <laughs> Thanks for listening to the giving gifts. Like, share, and subscribe. This show is the shit. Spread some love and joy. Know that you're a gift.